Today on the Daily Scoop podcast from the Scoop News Group, a cloud leftover from Halloween that's scaring industry. Just like Chucky, every time industry thinks that they put an end to uh, the previous attempt because they're duplicative and cost money, etc., GSA comes around with something slightly different but with the same goal in mind. The Air Force's strategy to move data to the tip of the spear. We put liaisons out in the field. I call them at centers of gravity. They are local person that can actually help um, our airman and guardian out in the field walk through those problem sets together. And an Air Force boot camp for data governance. Today we have several hundred um, of our workforce that have completed that course and have achieved mastery level for the ICCP Federal Sector Data Governance Certification. It's Wednesday, November 3rd, 2021. Welcome to the Daily Scoop podcast. Every afternoon, you'll learn what's going on today in government. I'm the host of the Daily Scoop podcast, Francis Rose. Here's what's happening now. The Defense Information Systems Agency has a new office of the Chief Data Officer. Carolyn Koharski, the Deputy Chief Data Officer at DISA, says her agency launched the office as part of its restructuring plan and to enhance data sharing and integration across the agency. Koharski will lead the office until DISA finds a permanent CDO. Agencies have a new deadline from the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency to fix vulnerability management procedures. The directive gives agencies 60 days to make those fixes. It says agencies will supply copies of their new policies and procedures, too, if CISA asks for them. You can read more about these stories and many others at fedscoop.com. Leading government cyber experts like the commander of U.S. Cyber Command, General Paul Nakasone, will join me at Palo Alto's Public Sector Ignite Virtual Conference, Thursday, November 18th. I hope you'll join me, too. You'll learn about key cybersecurity issues impacting agencies like zero trust and endpoint detection and response. You can see the agenda and sign up now at ignite.paloaltonetworks.com. The General Services Administration will put out a new cloud acquisition vehicle soon. Industry experts say it's like a Halloween movie they've seen before. Larry Allen is president of Allen Federal Business Partners. Larry, welcome. You may have heard your successor at the Coalition for Government Procurement, Roger Waldron, on the program yesterday talking about this, but you refer to it as the cloud of Chucky. (laughs) What do you mean and what are you going for there other than the Halloween reference? Welcome. Uh, Thanks, Francis. What I mean by that is that this most recent request for information by GSA isn't the first time the agency has tried to raise the idea of a unified cloud contract offering. It's at least the third, maybe the fourth, just like Chucky, every time industry thinks that they've put an end to uh, the previous attempts because they're duplicative and cost money, et cetera. GSA comes around with something slightly different, but with the same goal in mind. So uh, just like people in the horror movie, they think they may have killed the, the, they may have killed Chucky, but we know that he comes back in movie after movie in many iterations. So too does GSA's initiative to try to create a unified cloud contract repository. 
what is your analyst sense of why GSA keeps bringing this back? I mean, they don't just make work for the sake of making work. There's got to be a reason that they think that what they have already, and you cite in your latest newsletter, the acquisition gateway and some other solutions, they obviously don't think they have what agencies need to be able to find these cloud services. Why do you think they keep going for this over and over again, Larry? Francis, I think they keep going through it because this is the IT solutions shop. At a core level, I think they believe that this is what they do. They put contracts into place. They put contracts into place for Alliant, for the IT part of the GSA schedules. They put contracts into place for more specialized operations like VETS and 8A contracting. Uh, most of those have uh, both hardware and services on them, and some of them have cloud. Uh, but, you know, what a, a contracting shop makes contracts. An auto factory makes cars. Uh, so, you know, GSA is looking at this because they're looking for the next thing to make that's a contract because at a basic level, they feel that that's their mission. Uh, what industry has been saying, not just on this RFI, but in the past is, hey, GSA, you've already accomplished this mission. You've provided federal users with a good selection of competitive vehicles. You can even use the EIS telecom contract to get cloud solutions for that type of solution if you want to. Uh, so instead of creating something new, why not? shift gears and show people how to find what's already there so that neither you nor your industry partners have to go through this again and put the same stuff up on a contract that they may already have on another one. And you pay GSA, I think, a compliment here by talking about the acquisition gateway. You write, if you can navigate a map at the mall, you can likely find what you need on the acquisition gateway. GSA has done a good job of making that accessible to people, hasn't it? That's kind of my point, Francis, is that, look, the acquisition gateway was set up specifically so that federal buyers could easily find the procurement avenues they needed to help them make their best acquisition decisions. And not just for cloud either, but for a whole host of IT and professional services and even other things. The whole idea behind the acquisition gateway was that it would help eliminate contract duplication and provide a single space for where agencies could go to get information, not just on GSA contracts, but on contracts that other agencies had that could provide those types of similar services. So maybe it's time to launch a better education initiative to remind people of how to use the acquisition gateway, but all of the information uh, is right there on how to get cloud solutions from not just GSA contracts, but any other agency that has uh, elected to place their solutions on that gateway as well. Uh, that's what I was thinking as you're describing that, Larry, because GSA, my, my understanding is GSA doesn't do anything in a vacuum. And we have a request out to Laura Stanton and uh, folks at the Federal Acquisition Service to ask them what the genesis of this was. Um, but in the meantime, it seems to me 
they probably didn't just decide one day we should do this. It, they probably are getting feedback from their customers and potential customers. Hey, can you offer this? That's kind of where I, I guess I'm stuck on what you talk about now, what Roger talked about yesterday. I don't think GSA is just making work for themselves. It strikes me they decided to do this for a reason that probably involves serving the customers. Well, I know that this part of GSA, like most parts of GSA, Francis, is in fact very customer oriented. Uh, they've already come out with a number of different contracts and they're about to come out with a brand new one for small businesses in Polaris. Uh, that's going to be a major undertaking. Uh, I respect the idea that you want to show your customers uh, a single unified place to find cloud solutions, but in some sense, you already have a single unified place where agencies can find cloud solutions in the acquisition gateway. It's not like the contracts don't already exist. Uh, from a contractor perspective, why do I have to get my bid and proposal shop active again to propose a solution that I may already have on one or even two GSA contracts? Uh, all that we really need to do is better educate the user on where those solutions reside and what they have in them. And look, some of this, Francis, has to be on industry too. Uh, if your customers don't know where they can find cloud solutions, they shouldn't solely be relying on GSA where to tell them to find them. Contractors need to be aware, uh, active in making sure their customers know where they can find these solutions as well. Um, one final thought, and I'm asking this genuinely, not rhetorically. If a company's already prepared this uh, material, to get onto another contracting vehicle? Is it such a big deal? Can, can they recycle what they've already done before rather than starting completely from scratch to try to get on this one? Potentially, Francis. Yeah, we really won't know the answer to that question until GSA puts together uh, the framework for this. Right now, this current RFI contemplates blanket purchase agreements, which would be based presumably on something like a GSA schedule contract. That would be a little bit easier than creating a brand new standalone contract. Uh, you would have to, as a contractor, make sure you had the management resources in place to properly manage and monitor that blanket purchase agreement and the sales that would go through it. But essentially it's correct in saying that a blanket purchase agreement approach is a little bit less work for everybody involved than creating a new procurement from whole cloth. One of the things that I've always appreciated in the many years you and I have been talking about these things is you come up with fun names to put on this stuff. The cloud of Chucky, Larry Allen. Thanks very much, my friend. Francis, thank you. You can read more about the cloud of Chucky in today's show notes at the daily scoop 
The Air Force is already seeing results from its Virtual Data Innovation Lab. It's one of the ways the Air Force is promoting a data culture in the service. Eileen Vadreen is the Chief Data Officer at the Air Force. Eileen, welcome. Thanks for coming on the program. What is the Virtual Data Innovation Lab? What are you doing with it? And what will be the deliverables from it? Thanks for coming on, Eileen. Well, I appreciate you um, including me today. Um, our Innovation Lab, at um, it's actually physically based out of Andrews Air Force Base. But the concept was that any airman or guardian that has an enterprise a data challenge needed a capability to reach out and get support. Really, uh, that virtual wingman to really uh, push that con- the conversation forward. And we have a, a lean team of data experts. Uh, data engineers, data visualization experts, data scientists that partner with our airmen and guardians out in the field to help tackle some of the most challenging problem sets that we have. But the other piece that I will say is that um, the other piece that we do is we understand that we can't handle every problem set that comes in. Um, So we have actually created an LNO program where we put liaisons out in the field. I call them at centers of gravity. They are local person that can actually help um, our airman and guardian out in the field walk through those problem sets together. And so over the last couple of years, we've brought in some amazing citizen airmen that have come from industry back onto active duty to help us with some of them. And Uh, To date, we've done about, I want to say about 50 different problem sets. Uh, We start small um, and really scale out to the last tactical mile using that agile DevOps approach where we are laser focused to um, show return on investment, show a little bit more, and that iterative process where we scale to the last tactical mile. Uh, one, of the ex- one of our very first problem sets that came in was working with the installation management group. And it started as a few dashboards to help installation commanders um, have uh, status at the speed of mission. And today there are dashboards um, for every installation commander across the entire command. So starting small and scaling out. And I think that is part of um, the real uh, solution moving forward is great capability that makes data actionable at the speed of relevancy. How do you manage these when someone comes along and wants to throw something into the hopper to consider? If I'm an airman at Lackland or Offit or whatever, I become aware of this uh, innovation lab, and I think this is a problem I'd like to challenge. How does it go through the cycle, Eileen? How does it get to the point of actionability, if that's actually a word? Absolutely. So we actually have an intake form that somebody fills out. We we send it in and we look at it and we really look is, is it an enterprise uh, opportunity or is it um, a, a smaller problem set? And that's really important because that can help us uh, triage it to say, should we do it out of the, um, the innovation lab based out of Andrews? Or do we need to really tackle this um, locally? Um, Because there's really um, advantages to both. But it's really about making sure that it is a true partnership 
in um, that solution. We need the airman's voice, that guardian's voice, to make sure that we we are we actually um, are looking at the data properly, making sure that we are honest and true to the context of it. Um, so. I really look at it that it's not just uh, a one approach. It's really holistically, but it's and it's it's a partnership, and um, and we love that our airmen and, and guardians are so passionate about it because they really want to be part of the solution and and have impact to the enterprise. So it's really I think it's rewarding for all of us. The broader benefit that it strikes me that you get too is raising. A, a level of awareness about the importance of data and the way that it can solve problems across the entire workforce. I imagine that's both uniform and civilian, right, Eileen? We always talk about total force, military, civilian, active guard reserve. It's it's really great capability. And when I look at where we are today, um, it's really about building data acumen across our entire workforce. I like to say that data needs to be part of every airman and guardian's core DNA moving forward. Um, tactical, operational, strategic. And so that is critical investment. Right now, we're actually running another datathon where we partnered with our innovation cell, uh, AFWorks, and our um, AI accelerator at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. And that is a problem set that came in from a commander in the field. We call it COG pilot. And we have airmen and guardians across pretty much every mission area um, helping us to crowdsource the solution. How do you measure the success of that, Eileen? How do you determine whether you've achieved on a project like that or any of the projects from the innovation lab, what you set out to do? Well, it's really about does it positively impact the mission? And so that's where um, Agile DevOps comes in. You want to start small and then scale. Make sure that you get it right. And that's where why the partnership with the mission owner is critical. I like to say that having those change champions, I call them CDEs, chief data evangelists, to really help us make sure that um, we are providing great value to the, the mission owner. And so it, it's making sure that it is not just about um, getting it right for a single instance, but really how do we uh, iterate so that we can repurpose and then scale fast. When you build in that agile DevOps environment, it really helps us make sure that we are laser focused to uh, show impactful, meaningful, actionable data. And it also helps accelerate the change across the enterprise. Eileen, stand by. We'll continue the conversation in a moment. I'm Francis Rose, the host of the Daily Scoop podcast. Coming on Thursday's show, the new data strategy action plan has action items for every agency. One of the architects of the federal data strategy, Suzette Kent, is here. That Daily Scoop podcast debuts Thursday afternoon at fedscoop.com and wherever you get your shows. More now with Eileen Vadreen, the chief data officer at the Air Force. You talked earlier about how you and your colleagues, your peers, would like to see data become woven into the DNA of every airman and guardian. How do you intend to go about doing that? What are the what are the places along the way that you and your colleagues can kind of institute that training idea 
or the learning idea to, to build that capability among the force? Well, it's really, it's about having a multi-pronged approach. Um, we have multiple generations in our work workforce. And so we have to make sure that we are agile to meet their needs. So it begins by building a great pipeline. And so I am, I am very proud of the work that's been done at the United States Air Force Academy because they today are cadets major and minor in data science. When they commission into our two services, air and space forces, they will go into all mission areas, uh, logistics, personnel, intel, et cetera, and they'll fly planes. And, um, and so it's really about building the pipeline um, for the future to meet today's needs and tomorrow's. But it's not just about um, military. It's about our civilian workforce. So one of the first programs that we did was we stood up a data science intern program, bringing in summer interns to work on impactful projects um, over a 12-week summer intern program, and then bringing in college, uh, college graduates through our Pathfinders, or what we call Palace Acquire program. And so each year we bring in a, a lean set of um, data science um, and mathematics focused uh, graduates into our program through the, those particular components. So that to create that pipeline for today and tomorrow, but we also have to be committed to what I call career-long learning. This is an emerging field. And so we have to continue to invest in our people, um, military and civilian. So we partnered very early with the Air Force Institute of Technology based at wright Pat, and uh, piloted, which is now in production, a graduate, graduate uh, certificate program in data science that non-commissioned officers to general officers, uh, new hires to very seasoned career um, professionals in our civilian workforce uh, started the journey to get a graduate certificate. That this year is actually being matured out to a full data science graduate degree through AFIT. But it's not just about education, it is about training. And so, um, making sure that we have the best online content available at the speed of mission through digital university to take the, that great high-end content, it, not just in data, but in AI, um, co courses that industry uses to invest. Um, that's available today for our airmen and guardian you know, total force. Um, but we also have short courses. And it's not just about, I took a course. Uh, it's really about that commitment holistically throughout the, so that as somebody moves from a tactical job to an operational, then to a strategic job, that we have the right um, investments in them th for throughout their career. And one of the uh, pilots that we started about 18 months ago that we continued to mature out was actually building a data governance boot camp. And so Today, we have several hundred of, of our workforce that have completed that course and have achieved mastery level for the ICCP, Federal Sector Data Governance Certification. But really, it's, it's not about one thing. It's about that constant being uh, ready to make sure that our workforce has that, those career-long opportunities in the, every emerging tech capability moving forward. And then I would go back to um, 
actionable or hands-on experiences like datathons, where we bring policy experts and coders together to, to tackle some of these real-world um, problem sets. A lot of what we've discussed so far in this conversation, Eileen, is based around what happens to an individual airman, guardian, civilian. How do you measure the data literacy and the data capability of the total force as you've described it? Well, we're really early in the journey on that, but the reality is um, digital is um, now a core capability or core requirement for our workforce. So partnering with our personnel community and uh, making sure that it's not just about building that capability, but documenting that in um, in their um, their career records, so that we can actually um, make sure that we're continuing to mentor and invest. So I'm always. Um, partnering with senior leaders to make sure that it's not just about taking courses and having hands-on capability, but really having that coaching and mentoring investment throughout their community too, because that helps our senior leaders um, hand select some of the best people for the critical opportunities moving forward. Speaking about community, we talked a little bit about the community that you live in every day before we went on the air. We talked about the CIO, Lauren Nausenberger. We talked about Venus Goodwine, Wanda Jones-Heath. I'm sure I'm going to forget somebody. And you pointed out, I think rightfully so, that you work with this cohort of really capable, tough, strong women who are leaders in the United States Air Force and Space Force. What's the significance of that, do you think, on an ongoing basis for your workforce and for your colleagues and for the people that you interact with in the other services? Well, I will also like to add Dr. Angela Giddings from the um, A9 community. She is definitely one of my trusted partners um, as we move forward. But it's really about having great um, role models across our community so that that young airman or guardian has somebody to aspire to say, I want to I want to be be in that role, you know, several years from now, that it's literally on their career plan. I, I, I always get excited when somebody says to me, I want to be a chief data officer for the Department of the Air Force. That's awesome. And to and to have that to have that conversation is pretty awesome because um, if I look back early in my journey, um, the, the there were very few role models. And so I think it's really important that our young workforce sees the potential that they can aspire to these amazing opportunities. And when I look at whether it's uh, Lauren Knausenberger or Wanda Jones-Heath, our cyber advisor now, uh, Venus Goodwine, who's leading um, the ITAS enterprise, IT as a service, and then uh, the technical director, Angie Giddings, um, at the A9, they're what I look at all mission, you know, mission areas. So it's, it's that piece is just so it's so exciting to see such a, to really be honored to work with such amazing um, professionals who just happen to be amazing professional women. Uh, What else should we be watching from your office over the horizon? Well, it's for us, it's really about 
um, making data actionable, and really operationalizing the seven strategic goals of the DOD data strategy that was written with my colleagues, um, D, uh, Dave Spurk, the DOD CDO, Tom Cicela, the uh, Navy uh, CDO, and uh, Greg Garcia, and now Do uh, David Markowitz at the, the Army CDO. It's really about visible, actionable data. So really uh, maturing out the Department of the Air Force data catalog to so that uh, data is visible and accessible to our entire workforce, but also federating that to DOD so that we can be working with our sister services and really our allied partners move, you know, moving forward. And that, what I would say, interoperability and secure capability. So we've been laser focused on building the Department of the Air Force data fabric that is interoperable, that works not just for our department with two services, but works for our, our colleagues across the DOD and beyond that true interoperability um, of data. Because when we look at missions, we don't uh, do missions um, alone. We work with our, our partners. So it's that interoperability and of course the security, which brings us back to our, you know, my colleagues um, in the CIO, uh, you know, uh, Miss Jones Heath, Wanda Jones Heath, and Venus Goodwine, both former CISOs. So, um, so I think that's pretty exciting to have that type of cybersecurity um, in true leadership roles at our department is pretty awesome. Eileen Vadreen, the Chief Data Officer at the Air Force and Space Force. Thank you very much for joining me today, ma'am. I appreciate your time. Thank you for including me today. It's really an honor to represent these amazing um, airmen and guardians. Thank you. You can read more about the Air Force's data initiatives in today's show notes at thedailyscooppodcast.com. The Daily Scoop podcast is available on all the podcast platforms. If you've already rated the show on your platform of choice, thanks for doing that. High ratings and good reviews help more people find the show. The Daily Scoop podcast is a production of the Scoop News Group in Washington, D.C. James Mahoney helps me put the show together and the entire Scoop News Group team contributes. The former Federal Chief Information Officer Suzette Kent is on Thursday's show. Until then, I'm the host of the Daily Scoop podcast, Francis Rose. Thanks very much for listening. Thank you.